Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with the All In Sports Outreach, and I'm so excited to share another episode of our podcast with you. Today, you're going to hear from Kyle Vasey. He's currently the Assistant Athletic Director for Strategic Planning and Data Analytics at the University of Alabama. Just an incredible man of character, loves the Lord, powerful testimony. I know you'll be encouraged. Let's jump right into it. Thanks for joining me today, Kyle. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Bad. So I always like to start this off with some background information so the listeners kind of get an idea of who you are. Um, so talk about uh, where you grew up, a little bit about your family growing up and um, your family today. Yeah, so um, I'm originally from the Southwest. Uh, I, I grew up most of my life in either Arizona or New Mexico. Uh, so I grew up in a small town in Las Cruces, New Mexico, and then I also grew up in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, played sports my entire life growing up. Uh, very, very involved uh, in sports. I was I picked up a ball as early as I can remember. My dad was throwing, you know, playing catch with me in the backyard or whatever. So we played lots of sports growing up. Uh, very, very strong family. I have uh, two brothers and a, a sister. I'm the oldest, and they're all out of out of college now at this point, uh, which makes my parents very, very happy that they're off the payroll. And so uh, they both just grad. Uh, my youngest brother and sister both graduated from the University of Arizona this last year, and then. Um, so did I, and then my, my other brother as well, who, who's now in Dallas. And so we have, um, uh, we have a bunch of University of Arizona alums that, that grew up, um, again, in the Southwest. And so uh, that's where we are today. And my dad's a, an insurance agent for State Farm. My mom is a children's pastor at a at our local church there in Tucson. So, um, yeah, great, great upbringing for sure. That's awesome. So you mentioned your mom being um – a children's pastor, so I'm assuming you grew up in a family of faith. So, so talk about that, and you know a little bit about your personal faith journey of deciding that you needed needed wanted a personal relationship with Jesus. Yeah, so I, I was extremely blessed, extremely fortunate to grow up in a family that that had Christ at the focus from from the very beginning. That's really what I do, and so I'm very very blessed to have two strong parents who followed the Lord and made sure that that was the center of our lives. And so they, they set the example for me and, um, not really, uh, you know, learned the Bible, read the Bible growing up. And I didn't really get to a breaking point though, where I kind of accepted, you know, Jesus is my Lord and Savior until I got a little older. I had been thinking about it for, for quite a while, but, um, you know, when I was uh, 12 years old, yeah, 12 years old. So May 11, 2003 is when I accepted Jesus. And, uh, prior to that point, um, I had been thinking to myself, you know, I want to, I, I need to get better. I need to get better before I can really accept Jesus that I'm not mm-hmm. to have Jesus in my life. He's done too much for me. I'm not good enough for him. And it, it's, you know, I kind of wrestled with that for a while. And at some point my dad just sat me aside, looked at me point blank and said, Kyle, you're never going to be good enough. And that's the point. You're never going to be a good enough for, for Jesus. And, but the point is he's good enough for you. He's the one that gaps. He's the one that covers those, those blemishes and those flaws. And so he's the one that makes you, you know, blameless in God's sight. And so that's when it finally clicked for me. And I was able to actually accept him as my, my personal Lord and Savior. I was baptized on May 11th, 2003. And uh, it's been a, a great journey since then. You know, Jesus has been my, my best friend since that time. And so I've been very blessed to, to have him in my life. And to just see the experiences and the blessings that he's given me uh, throughout my entire journey. And there's been a lot of ups and downs, but really um, he's been the, the focal point and the, the kind of the cornerstone throughout that entire journey. That's awesome. What a, I mean, that's a great reminder. Um, you know, a lot of times we do have this mindset of I need to get my life cleaned up first. 
yeah. um, trying to earn. I actually had a conversation with uh, a lady cutting my hair yesterday. She was talking about her grandmother coming to visit and, this young lady had a bunch of tattoos, earrings, two kids out of wedlock. And she said, my grandmother just tells me that God could never love a person like me because of my lifestyle. And I, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I'm ready, I'm ready to get out of here, but you can't let a statement like that go. And so we talked about, you know, that God, there's nothing that you and I can do to earn God's love or to lose it, you know, but that's just, so your story is just a great reminder of, you know, a lot of times the the confusion out there is we try to earn earn love. So, um, and we'll get back to faith in a little bit. I want to talk some some sports. So, we connected through one of your high school coaches, teachers, Jerry Frischinger, who's now um, in Idaho. He's a big supporter of of us, and he talked about your high school basketball success, winning two state titles in New Mexico. So talk about um, your love for basketball and, you know, the, the success that you had. Yeah. So uh, fortunate to have uh, some success in high school. I don't know how much I actually contributed to that success, to be honest with you. Uh, Mr. Freisner is probably being a little too generous, honestly, uh, but I was fortunate to, to have quite a bit of success in high school. Uh, a lot of, a lot of good memories in that where uh, we did win two state championships and we were runner up once and we made it to the semifinals the other year. So we had a lot of success in, in those four years. And um, those are guys that I grew up playing with from when I was just a kid. And so it was awesome kind of seeing that all come to fruition and um, us having the success, you know, when we were quite a bit older and, you know, those are guys that I still maintain uh, consistent friendships with today. And we're still, we stay, uh, stay in contact. And so, Really, really great experience. Just going to to work with those guys each and every day, and um, playing basketball, having fun, and then just being you know normal kids as well. It was a great experience. And then you mentioned earlier uh, being a graduate of University of Arizona, and you went on to Arizona B as a member of their basketball program. So talk about how you ended up at the University of Arizona and your role with the program. Yeah, so um, I, I went to school in Tucson to the University of Arizona. And honestly, when I got there, I just needed a job, really. That was kind of the starting point. I I'd played sports all the way through high school. I played basketball, baseball, football, golf. I'd, I'd done all that. So I never really had time for a, a job. So I got to college and, and I needed some money. And so I kind of thought to myself, well, it'd be pretty cool if I got my job in sports. And so I went to the basketball arena, Kill Center, where kind of those sports is all kind of headquartered Arizona. And I, I just dropped my resume off, which didn't really have anything on it, to be honest with you. Um, dropped it off with every single office. And the only one that called me back was the basketball team. So they called me back and they said they were hiring for one manager position. And so I interviewed for it and I guess I fooled them enough where I was able to get the job and uh, started as a manager working in that department for the next four years. And so that was a really, really awesome experience. Um, we had quite a bit of success. We went to three elite eights, went to a couple sweet 16s, um, never got close to a final four, never quite got there. Um, but it was a really awesome experience getting to work with guys. A lot of, a lot of players on our teams are now in the NBA who I still, you know, maintain contact with, which is really cool. Um, being able to, to get to know them, form a relationship with them. So it was a, a really neat experience where um, I was able to, to kind of learn the really the value of hard work because as a manager, you are definitely not, you're, you're definitely cool. I mean, your, your job is literally to wipe up sweat and to, you know, give guys water. And so um, there was a, a, it was a humbling experience for sure to, to try to go through that and, 
in high school, you're kind of in a way because you're the athlete, you're kind of the, the top of the, the pot, top of the, you know, the entire program. And then you transition just a few months later. And now you're at the very, very bottom where you're quite mm-hmm. the for those guys. And so that was a, a quite a bit of a transition, but um, I think it was an important transition for me where I had to kind of check my ego at the side and say that if I want to be part of this team, this is what I need to do. And uh, it taught me a lot of hard work, a lot of long hours, but um, really, really great, valuable experience where I was able to form a lot of valuable relationships. And I, there's no question I would not have, the, I would have this job today if it weren't for, you know, the experiences, relationships that I formed while I was a manager at Arizona. So very thankful for the opportunity um, to work there. I would imagine you talked about the hard work and also I would imagine teaches you a lot about what it means to be a true servant. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which that's what the job is, is you're, you're serving others. I mean, we're carrying bags for them. We're if, if a guy needed to rebound at 9 PM, you, you were available to go do that. If if Mm. you get up early and and need somebody to drive in a class, like you were available to do that. So you were literally kind of almost at their back and call to, to help the players out and be there be their support system as much as possible. And so, um, that, that was a really, really great experience to learn that, that servanthood and, um, learn again, the value of hard work and, um, being able to, to, to kind of start from the bottom and work your way up. And now you are working in the university of Alabama athletic department. Um, you're a CPA. So talk about the road to, you did CPA and st- but also staying in athletics. And then, you know, how does your role fit into the overall athletic department? Yeah. So I have a, a unique position here in athletics uh, that I kind of, in a way, just kind of lucked into, to be perfectly honest with you. I had a lot of people that, that gave me a, a, a break and gave me a chance, which I've been extremely fortunate with. So in college, uh, I got my major in accounting and then I, I got my master's in accounting as well at Arizona. And in that time, I started working as a financial analyst for the department after my, my time with the, the basketball program. So I worked as a financial analyst in the athletics program at Arizona and basically just applied what I'd learned in school. But they had never had a position like that before. And so I really started to uh, apply some of the financial skills that I'd learned, uh, started looking at our budget, started looking um, at our revenues and expenses. How can we maximize revenues? How can we streamline expenses, try to make ourselves a little more efficient? and the way we approach, you know, day to day from an operation standpoint. And, um, I guess I fooled enough of the right people where I, I started as an intern and they, they kept me on full time. And then I, I got to work a little closer with our athletic director, Greg Byrne. Um, and he's the ultimately the one that brought me out here uh, to Alabama. So he took the athletic job here at Alabama and he brought me out here to, to work in a similar role where, where my job here at Alabama is a, um, I'm the assistant athletic director of strategic planning which is a fancy title that I still don't exactly know what it means to be perfectly honest with you. Um, my job really is data analytics. So I, I look at everything on the business side of, uh, of the scope within our, within our analytics front. So anything that has data attached to it, whether that be ticket sales or concessions or donor related, um, transactions or merchandise or, um, some of our parking data or social media data, anything like that. Um, we, we kind of consolidate all that into what we call a, a data warehouse. And then we kind of merge those records together. So we have a more informed view of our customers knowing specifically, um, you know, what they like, what they don't like, how can we, how can we address those specific customers in a little more informed way? So I report that back to, you know, the stakeholders who actually use that information and make the important decisions. 
And then hopefully we're able to be a little more strategic in the way we approach our fans and our customers. So that's the business side of things. And I also am able to do some stuff with the sports as well, kind of more on the sports performance side. So I do a little bit with football where we have quite a bit of analytics related to, you know, their movements and GPS tracking. So how fast they're moving, their overall load, fatigue, um, their explosiveness, their intensity, um, as far as how quickly and how their velocity and running. And so we kind of track and analyze all that stuff. And we roll that into, to another system where we analyze, um, all those different metrics and in an effort, try to prevent injury as well as optimize performance. So we do that with football. We're trying to explore that into other sports as well. And so, um, I kind of have two different fronts where I'm on the business side from an analytics perspective. And then I also do a little bit more, uh, in the sports performance side of things too. So it's kind of cool kind of merging those two worlds together and, um, anyway, that's, that's essentially what my role is here at Alabama. It's, it's new. This job didn't exist before I got here. And so it's been, it's been a unique experience trying to kind of create that as I've gone along. And I, I, there's been a lot of trial and error, probably more air over that time. Period. But I uh, just kind of figured it out as I've gone along. There's really no blueprint or roadmap to kind of what we're doing here. There's not a lot of positions like this across the country. And so it's been a, a really unique and challenging experience to try, to try to build this from the ground up. And um, I've, I've been very, very blessed to have a really good support system here where um, the, the staff as well as the coaches have been re- very receptive to the kind of stuff that we've been producing. And uh, we've been fortunate that um, we've seen quite a bit of results uh, since we've been here. Hopefully that'll continue. My head hurts thinking about all that. <laughs> I mean, when you're talking about data analytics, the ticket sales, merchandise, concessions, and a place like University of Alabama, I mean, that's going to be overwhelming. And then you get into the athletic side. Um, is there any pressure, um, or I'm sure there is, to so talk about the pressure of a role like that at a place where success is the only option in yeah. Alabama? Yeah. Uh, no, there's no question. There's pressure for sure. I mean, it, the expectation here is that you're going to win and you're going to, you know, be at your absolute best. And so there is a definite pressure to produce quality results. And so that, I think that's a, a good thing to have as long as it's, you know, directed in the, in the right way where it's not almost overwhelming, but it kind of pushes you to be better and better each and every day. And so, that's the expectation here within this department that you're going to produce quality work and quality results. And everybody within this department, um, we're fortunate works collaboratively together to, to try to pursue that goal, whether it's all the individual sports or individual departments that support those sports. Um, we have a very, very, um, you know, good cohesiveness here where we all kind of work collaboratively, collaboratively together to try to work towards that goal of, you know, producing the best, student athletes on the field as well as, um, you know, doing our best to promote the community and, and stuff like that. What role does your, uh, faith play in your career there? And, you know, do you ever feel any resistance? So, I mean, my faith is, is extremely important to everything that I do. It, it's really the foundation of, of who I am. And so that's, that's been kind of the backbone of everything I do. Um, and, and I've been fortunate, at least since I've been here, that I haven't had any resistance to that. Um, I've been very, very receptive, very supportive. Uh, this, especially here at Alabama, we have a very um, a church-based society where a lot of people, you know, grow up going to church. It's very much a way of life. And so I, I've experienced little to no resistance while I'm here. I had a little more trouble in college, and that's just kind of the culture, you know, with right. where you, um, 
you know, you're exposed and there's a lot of more temptations where um, your, your faith is really challenged a lot more. And so that's probably where I had the biggest challenges since I've been here. I've been very, very pleased that um, people have been very supportive. I, I have a lot of, you know, spiritual relationships and spiritual conversations with my coworkers as well as some student athletes here in the department, which is, has been great. I've been able to, to really interact with them on a, a spiritual level, which is something that I didn't really have at Arizona as much. So that's been a, a unique experience. Some of that is, me coming out of my shell a little more and being more open to talk. And then some of it is just more of a culture here where it's a little more, um, a little more receptive to that kind of stuff. So um, it's been a, a really good experience where I have lots of coworkers that go to my church, as well as um, tons of student athletes here involved in FCA, as well as other spiritual organizations. So it's been a, it's been a cool opportunity to kind of see how that all meshes together and um, how do you, how faith intermingles with the work that we do here. That's awesome to hear because I mean, our, our culture is so much about performance. Then you take working in an athletic department at a place like Alabama where winning is the only option. I would, you know, in my mind, it'd be, you know, it could be challenging to navigate the spiritual life in a culture that's all about performance. No, no. I mean, it is a challenge to, to make sure that you, you stay grounded because it is so competitive because performance is, is such a, you know, focal point of what we do here. It, it is difficult to navigate that. Um, but we're fortunate that a lot of the coaches here, as well as a lot of the administrators understand that. And so there's a, there's a balance between the two where you're able to still have the, um, the spiritual life be a, a main you know, foundation of your life, as well as being able to still perform your work at a high level. That's awesome. And, you know, you talked about your role there and the demands of it. So how do you balance that, um, with being a husband, you know, the demands of your job of being a husband and, and life outside of Alabama athletics. Yeah. So there's no question this job, it can at times be very, very time consuming and, and very demanding. And so I'm fortunate that my wife understands that she's, she's very forgiving to me and understands that we, you know, when we married, this is kind of what we signed up for, that there's going to be times where we have long weekends, long nights. And so um, I'm fortunate that she understands that. And then, you know, with that said, um, I've made a conscious effort as much as possible to try to make sure that I give her as much attention and time as possible because she, you know, she needs it and she work and she's worth it. So, you know, I do little things like making sure, like I'm usually up first in the morning. So I'll do little things like make sure I make coffee for her or take the dogs on a walk or do things like that, that, probably, you know, in the grand scheme of things aren't huge, but, um, just showing that, showing her that I care, making sure that, um, making sure that she understands that, um, that I haven't forgot about her, that, that she's still obviously the a main focus in my life. And then on top of that, just making a conscious effort to, to try to avoid working long, long hours if you can. So trying to be home at a you know regular time each and every day, I think is important. Trying to make sure that you have that balance where it's not all work all the time. And there's, there's definitely been times where there's been long nights where I've, I've conflicted with that, but as much as possible, trying to make sure that, 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 um, that balance is maintained and I make sure that I'm able to, to give her as much attention and time that she, uh, that she really deserves. Um, I'm extremely blessed that again, that she's been as receptive as she has with the, the time commitment and, um, time challenges that come with this job, but as much as possible, trying to find that balance is key. That's awesome. Very good. So you talked about relationships you've, you have with athletics 
both when you were a manager at Arizona and then as you've worked in athletic departments at both Arizona and Alabama. So is there a story or two that you have where you've seen God use you in a player's life or a coworker? Oh man, prob- there's probably a ton to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> uh, God's always working. It's probably not because of me, but I'm fortunate that, that he's always working and always working behind the scenes. One that I can think of recently, um, this doesn't involve a student athlete, but it's a, uh, it involves uh, an intern that I have working for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I always do my devotional early in the morning. I try to get to the office around seven or seven thirty in the morning, do my devotional before the kind of the day gets a little crazy. And so I typically, you know, have my, my Bible out in the morning and um, I usually have my door open just in case somebody needs to come by and, and talk. And so I'm, I'm always reading in the morning and my, one of my interns typically got there early in the day. Um, and he's, he's gone now. He's gone off to, to work big time in the corporate world, but um, he had seen me work, reading my Bible every single day. And I probably should have struck up a spiritual conversation with him at some point, but um, he really didn't. And then it's uh, one day I had left my Bible out on the desk and it had fallen over and um, he opened up the Bible and it actually opened up right to a verse Romans eight, one, which is now one of my favorite verses. Um, There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I had highlighted it. He had seen it. And um, that led to a, a spiritual conversation where he was able to talk with me about that. He had been kind of battling through some spiritual um, issues that he had had in his life, some, some doubts. And so that was able to strike up a spiritual conversation that we, that uh, we ended up having. And I'm happy to say that he's now, um, you know, back at church following God faithfully. And so again, nothing that I did, but a, just a, something that God kind of randomly opened up a door where that, that window was, was opened up and I was able to strike up that conversation. And, um, you know, God can just work in crazy ways like that. So it, just a really, really cool story where he works in weird ways, whether we, you know, whether we are ready to or not. That's awesome. And it's kind of a reminder to always be ready, right? I mean, Bible falling on the floor and opens to a verse and somebody reads it. Um, always be, be ready to, to share. That's awesome. I love it. So, let me ask you about the role of athletics. Um, there's no secret that our culture is divided. I'm not going to get into politics, but it's divided, you know, racially, politically, socioeconomics, um, even religion. But sports seems to be one of the few things that kind of brings people together. So, you know, in your time in the athletic world, how have you seen sports tear down those walls? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, and I often, in just conversations with some of my, my friends, family, I often say that sports is one of the few unifying factors that we have in the world today. It's, it's sad that we are so divided in our, in our culture today. It's just everybody needs to take a side. But sports is one of the, the few places where we actually do have an opportunity to, to come together collectively as a group and, and just root for something. Whether it, in the grand scheme of things, sports really doesn't matter a whole lot but it allows us to come together and, and really uh, unify across a common cause. And so I think that's really, really neat. And, and just a couple examples where, where I've seen that in my own life, I, I was traveling recently, I was in an airport terminal and um, I just happened to stop and there was a game going on. I can't remember the game at this point, but I just remember kind of observing the, the different types of people that were within in that area, you know, people from all different walks of life, different races, different um, sexes, different socioeconomic statuses. And 
everybody cheering and completely glued to the screen watching this game and, you know, people sharing and talking with each other and almost no other setting would that without sports would that come about. So I think that's really, really neat. Another example that just happened a couple of weeks ago, I was actually escorting a donor um, from our offices here to the, the football stadium. And we're walking towards the stadium and the Michigan army game is going on. And if you remember that game from a couple of weeks ago, the, the game yeah. the wire and um, we're walking by and there's a, a tailgate of, um, and this is a, you know, a very high class million dollar, million dollar donor, um, white male. And we walk by and there's a TV on and it's an all black um, tailgate. And they had a TV on, they had the Michigan army game going on and, um, games on, we stop and watch the game. And all of a sudden there's a collection of, you know, probably about 50 people who are all hovered around watching this TV, watching into the game. And, uh, we end up watching the rest of the game. And then that donor ends up staying for the next 15 minutes and talking with this family at this tailgate, um, striking up a conversation with them. And again, I don't know if that would happen in almost any other setting where they have the opportunity to kind of those two types of people are able to mesh to, with each other. And so again, just another example of, of how sports can kind of unify bring people together where again this culture is so uh, so divided and so conflicted and so having an ability to to collectively bring people together i think it's huge i think one of christ's core missions when he came to earth is to tear down some of the the man-made uh social you know factions that people had created really trying to divide people and he tried to tear that down and so any way that, that we can try to mimic that and um you know, copy that as much as possible, I think is, is key. And I think sports is a great way to do that. I agree. I think that story you told is a perfect example. I think of, of, like you said, the role of sports. And to me, it's a beautiful picture of how Christ designed the church, the big C, because even inside the church, we can't even get along half the time. So, you know, it's, I think sports is a beautiful picture of the way God designed us to, to, to live. That's good stuff. So this next question, I want to ask you for um, some advice, if you will. Um, a lot of our listeners are student athletes and coaches. Um, and, you know, in different parts of the country, it's more difficult than others to, to be bold in your faith. So what would you say to a student athlete or a coach that's listening that uh, wants to use that platform of athletics for good to be bold in their faith? I think the first thing is, is just understand the, the platform that you do have uh, and understand the, the role that you can play that a lot of people look up to you and a lot of people are, are um, looking to you to be a leader uh, within the sports yeah. world. So understanding that I think is key. And um, if, if you are a Christian and want to, to be more vocal in your faith, I think looking for, for little opportunities to, to try to articulate that, I think is important as well. So it doesn't have to mean that you're going to, you need to do Tim Tebow and put Bible verses on eye black under your eyes. You can do that. And that's great, but it could just be small conversations you have with your friends and your family and, and your teammates, making sure that Christ is the center, the way you act and the way that you approach you know, your life can be an example of, of the way Christ impacts your life. And so watching the things you say, watching the, the way you interact with people, watching uh, being respectful to others, I think, are, are all key. And those are other ways that you can really um, be vocal about your faith without actually even using the words, I think. It is really, really key. And then on top of that, um, 
at times when, when the opportunity presents itself to do actually have the courage and, and the um, comfortability to, to really speak about your faith. And so I think that I've had to learn over time is, is literally practicing to do this. So on your own or, or with, you know, other, other friends who you trust practice doing this because God randomly, just like that example I talked about a little while ago, will open up windows and open up doors to have these conversations. And so trying to, to be ready at any time is crucial. Peter talks about that, um, you know, in the new Testament that always be ready to give an answer, um, your faith. And so I think that's, that's important for you to, to have that background to, to be ready and willing to, to share, uh, the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. That's awesome. That's, that's a good reminder for those even outside of the world of athletics to watch how we treat people, watch what we say. And like you said, always be ready. So um, a lot of people have a life verse or favorite scripture. So I was going to ask if you have a scripture that you would call your life verse, or maybe there's one that God's shown you recently that you'd share with us. Yeah. So kind of my, my, my life verse of one that I've tried to make, um, I've tried to live by as much as possible is uh, Proverbs three, five, and six. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean, lean not on your understanding. All your ways acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. So that's one that, that I've, it's been my favorite for a really long time. And it's just a great reminder to, with all the, the issues and all the problems that will you know, come at you in this world, trust in God. Don't lean on what you think you know. Trust in him make your path straight. He's in control. He will guide you through all of that. And so in all the storms that I've had in my life so far, and I'm, there's going to be more for sure. Um, I've constantly fallen back to that verse has been crucial. Another new one that he's kind of revealed to me recently that, um, that I've skipped over. I probably read a hundred times. Essentially the, the same power, you know, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave you know, lives in you. So um, the art, the Holy spirit that dwells in us, you know, that same power rose Jesus from the grave. And so if that's the case, then what the heck are we doing? Like we have so much power within us and we a lot of times kind of sit on the sidelines to use a sports analogy and don't really get involved when God has given us great power to, to make an impact in this world. And so trying to, to use that power um, as much as possible, working, using, uh, using that to, to work in our lives, I think is crucial. And so that's been another one that, that's really stuck out to me recently. And I've tried to, to you know, use more of my life and look for opportunities where, where God can use that, that the power of the Holy Spirit to, to make an impact in others. Very good. Very good. I like that. Um, I love Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It's one that I've always known, but I, I have to go back to as a reminder to, I like to read it often. Actually, a friend of mine is a coach, um, has a t-shirt, and on the front it just says, trust the process. And then it has on the sleeve Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 with the idea that, you know, we hear that a lot in sports. You know, it's yeah. a process. Trust the process. And, you know, and, and he took that um, as a coach and put Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And so I have that and I wear it around. And, you know, people don't see the verse and they, they automatically want to talk about sports when they see the shirt. Yeah. And then I point to the sleeve and it's like, that's, the, that's our process. we got to trust it. You know, trust God's ways or, you know, versus my own. I love that. Coach Saban was the kind of the founder of Trust the Process. And, you know, so I think we need to add that Bible verse to our sleeves. I love that. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Let me know how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do. But you're we'll right. Do. When I, I'll say this. When I first saw the shirt, 
Um, I did think of Coach Saban um, and being an Auburn fan and not an Alabama fan. I, I struggled with um, acknowledging <laughs> that it was a good shirt. Um, but when I got one, I made sure that I got a gray color and I didn't get anything red, nothing right. white. Um, Very good. But, You're neutral with it. I like it. Okay. Yeah, but it is. It's, it's just a cool reminder because – and I've noticed it's a conversation starter, you know, because, like you said, I mean, people just think of sports. You know, yeah. and on the slide on, on the sleeve, you see the verse, and so you're able to, to talk about it. So that's good. The last question um, <clears throat> we hear two words in sports a lot all in. I mean, Clemson's had on chin straps, I know teams have had it on t shirts and wristbands. I mean, it's all over. And so we know what it means, but also the Bible is clear that if we're going to be a follower of Christ, we have to be all in. I mean, Jesus said we got to deny ourselves to follow him. So what does that look like in a practical sense, Kyle, in your daily walk with Christ to be all in? Yeah, it's a, it's a challenge for sure. It's, it's easy to say, it's easy to, to say that you're all in, to deny yourself, to, you know, Paul tells us in Romans to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. And, you know, it's really easy to say that kind of stuff. It's a whole lot harder to put it into practice. And so kind of the, the tangible ways that I've tried to, to do that on a regular basis is to kind of surrender myself, um, you know, when Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Um, a lot of times I think we kind of brush over the idea of taking up your cross. I mean, if mm. you think the analogy of that, I mean, literally that, that was a, a instrument of death, you know, in biblical times. And so he's literally saying that you're going to give up your life, that you are, you're surrendering your life, you're surrendering your wants, you're surrendering your desires. And instead you're putting Christ's wants and desires at the forefront. And so I think the, the first step you have to do is really kind of check your ego at the door, um, be willing to, to be humble and to try to get as much as possible to take that selfish attitude that we're all kind of born with and innate, have that as an innate, um, you know, within us, I think, try to check that as much as possible and try to put Christ at the forefront is really, really crucial. And so, um, you know, trying to be in his word on a regular basis, trying to pray to him on a regular basis and trying to, um, be involved as much as possible within the community to, to be a servant. You know, we talked about servanthood at the beginning of this, trying to, to be a, a servant like Christ was a servant to us, I think is, is crucial to, um, again, try to check that, that ego at the door and try to remember all the things that he has done for you and, and to understand that you, by following Christ, have surrendered your life to him. And surrender means that you no longer control. He given him full control to guide your steps and to guide your ways and it's important for um it's important for you to to buy into that as much as possible but there, there's a constant struggle and desire for you to want to kind of taper back to your old way of life and your old ways and so for me that's a struggle and i know it's a struggle for every other christian where selfishness can kind of take over so anyway i know i rambled there for a little bit but that's essentially uh kind of practical ways that i've tried as much as possible to, to do that no, that's good. I, um, I, I take notes through this. And um, so I wrote down, you know, you talk about surrender because it's hard. Um, we live in a selfish culture. Um, I think we're all selfish. Um, most of us don't want to admit it, but we are. Um, and so I wrote down that, you know, understanding, not just, you know, like you said, understand what it means. It's take up our cross, but also understanding what the word surrender means. Um, you know, I remember as a child, we sang that song, I Surrender All, and we sang it all the time to the yeah. point that I don't think I never really 
listen to the words that we were singing because it just it was so routine. But but I go back and think about that and go, am I you know when I'm am I am I truly surrendering all? Mm, most days probably not, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, so that that's that's a good reminder because a lot of us are uh, like to be in control. So that's a very good reminder. Um, I know at least for me, and I'm sure there's maybe one or two other people listening that they can identify with that and need that encouragement. But um, I know, I know I, I need it daily. So I appreciate that. Absolutely. Well, I know, um, I know you got a lot going on. Um, it's in the peak of football season there. So um, I appreciate got, got a home game tomorrow. That's right. Southern Miss, 11 a.m. local time. If you guys want to tune in, <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. You know, it's fun. I'm good. You know, you mentioned Southern Miss. One of the uh, one of our recent guests is a is a coach there. Um, so I'll be keeping an eye on the game tomorrow because I've kind of developed a friendship with him. And okay, uh, yeah, awesome. Very good. That's a good deal, man. Well, I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thank you, Stuart. Really appreciate you it. You bet. Thank you again to Kyle for taking time to, to join us. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Kyle and offering a, just a different perspective on, on the sports world, um, serving in the, the athletic department there at Alabama and the both business and athletic side with data analytics. Um, but just more than that, just his, his testimony, his, his encouragement, I know, to me and hopefully to you, um, he encouraged us all to understand that we have a platform and always be ready for those opportunities to speak up and to speak out. Live a life that's an example of Christ. That's for all of us. You don't have to be in athletics. That's for every human being on the face of this earth that calls themselves a follower of Christ. We need to be living a life that's an example of Christ. But what I love the most as I'm looking here at my notes was the question about being all in, he took. He just basically broke down Luke nine twenty three. We got to deny yourself, take a, take up your cross. Understanding what that means, it's surrendering my selfish desires, your selfish desires, and searching after Jesus's desires for you and for me. It's it's in the Word daily. It's it's a prayer life. It's understanding the word surrender which means that I'm in no longer in control of my life. When I surrender my life to Jesus and call myself a follower of Christ, I am no longer in control. I'm under His authority, His leadership. And that's what I need to seek every moment of every day. So I hope you were encouraged by Kyle. I know I was. Um, I would ask you to share this episode with somebody. I know there's a family member or a friend that... um, could be encouraged by his story and his testimony, I would encourage you to share it. If you're currently not a subscriber to this podcast, whatever platform you're using, whether it's it's Apple, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you're listening, just click the subscribe button. There's over 100 episodes prior to this one. I know that will encourage you. There's some exciting ones coming. So again, click that subscribe button. And as always, we'd love to hear from you. You can interact with us on our Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram. Just type in All In Sports Outreach. It'll take you to our social media pages. You can message us there. You can find out opportunities to pray for us, to serve with us, and to give. I'd also encourage you to check out our website, www.allinsportsoutreach.org. 
Lastly, thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for your prayers.